0: The Koffler Gallery is proud to present the world premiere of a heart-wrenching and fascinating exhibition, The Synagogue at Babinyar, Turning the Nightmares of Evil into a Shared Dream of Good. Opening on the eve of Yom HaShoah, April 17th, and running until November, the multidisciplinary exhibition tells the bittersweet story of the Babinyar Synagogue, which stands on the grounds of the first large-scale massacre of the Holocaust in 1941. Experience the full historical, political, artistic, and spiritual context of this incredible monument for the first time. The exhibition is free of charge. To learn more, visit KofflerArts.org.
1: Well, oof, I think I'm... Over taken with emotion here, I'm holding history in my hands. My grandfather, my Zadie's prayer shawl.
2: That's the voice of Anne Cohen. She's a retired Montreal teacher and now volunteers as a tour guide at the Montreal Holocaust Museum. And that audio comes from a film she made several years ago, as she trained to give tours there, especially about her family's precious heirloom which they donated to the museum. It's a prayer shawl, white silk, blue stripes, very wrinkled at the bottom and a bit torn. It belonged to her late grandfather, Harry Cohen, Canada's only victim of Auschwitz. Yes, you heard that correctly, because although Harry had been born in Poland, he had immigrated to Montreal in 1919, where he lived for decades with his wife and the couple's four children, including Anne's late father, Manny. But in the summer of 1939, on the eve of the Second World War, Anne's grandfather, Harry, decided to go back to Poland for an extended visit. He wanted to see his sister and her family, who still lived in Opito, but also to take care of some of his family's business holdings there. Needless to say, when Hitler invaded Poland shortly after he arrived, Harry Cohen found himself trapped. And despite him being a resident of Canada with citizenship papers to prove it, these couldn't protect him from the Nazis' final solution. No one ever heard from him again. Then, after the war, a mysterious parcel arrived in Montreal, sent from a Christian Polish woman who had hidden Harry in her cellar until he was betrayed and arrested. She'd sent Harry's family back his personal prayer book, hundreds of dollars' worth of travelers checks, and his talit. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is What Jewish Canada Sounds Like for Tuesday, April eighteenth, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Harry Cohen's talit is on exhibit in a glass case at the Montreal Holocaust Museum alongside a vintage-looking photo of him taken in 1939 in Montreal where he'd been working as a peddler traveling up to the Ottawa Valley to collect farm-fresh eggs and chickens and even coal and then return to Montreal to sell them to his customers. Although the Holocaust Museum has 13,000 artifacts in its collection, they don't display most of them. But Harry Cohen's Talit is special because it really resonates with visitors, especially schoolchildren. And Anne Cohen tells them all about the grandfather she never knew and how she learned about him from helping her late father with his memoirs. Anne joins me now from her home in Montreal, along with Sarah Fogg, who speaks for the museum. Before we get into how you got it and, and all the story, and I want to ask Sarah a little bit of the background to, You know where it's located, how it's showcased, etc. What was what was that sort of
0: backstory? So it's right in the section that deals with um, with concentration camps, with examples of resistance, and specifically life in hiding. So for Jews who survived uh, for at least a period of time in hiding, so it's presented beautifully with a photo of of Harry Cohen, the former owner of the talus, and it. It's, it's a beautiful object. It's It speaks to religious culture, Jewish identity, also Jewish resistance. I mean, the the idea to, to go into hiding is an act of resistance. And so it's something that's really important when we consider the different experiences of people during the Holocaust. And one way we, we often present it to people is that Harry Cohen's the only known Canadian victim of Auschwitz. And so it also helps to bring this history home to people visiting the museum. Okay.
2: Let's talk about this actual artifact do we know, and either of you can weigh in on this, where it was bought or how it came to be Harry's talis. How did he
1: get it? Well, my grandfather, my Zadie, probably received it when he was uh, being bar mitzvahed. Um, that would have been in Poland, in Opetow, where um, our family owned jute mills. Uh, we owned property. Uh, we owned a home. Um, there, it probably would have been the prayer shawl that he used uh, all the time for morning prayers on Shabbat, uh, on the Sabbath. But um, when Sarah said I did have an opportunity to hold it, um, it was very emotional for me because it was the only time I had ever touched the tallit. I knew that my father had it in um, their drawer down at the bottom. Uh, This was something that we didn't talk about. We didn't know much about. It was not a story that came out. Before I retired, I so dearly wanted to tell the incredible story of my father's life. So when I did retire in 2012, I took on that challenge and so I, I, wrote, I wrote a little um, a memoir of my father during that time, uh, not for publication, but for my family. These are my father's words, in fact, and it's kind of touching since my father passed away this uh, November. So uh, it's, it's difficult for me to read, but I think it's important for me to read. Gone since 1939, boy, boyhood memories of his father are clearer than any photograph. Very big, very strong, very heavy, big curly hair, and a big red face. Everybody thought he was a very strong man, my father adds. He loved his father deeply, even as he feared him. As much as a young boy can idolize his father, my father followed this big, burly man everywhere. He would have followed him to the ends of the earth. No matter where he went, even if he went to the bathroom, I wanted to go with him. My father's love deepens with every word as the memories unfold into story. Your
2: grandfather, Harry, was born in Apter, Opato. Why did the family move to Montreal in the first place?
1: It was only Harry Cohen that came. Uh, his eldest sister was still in Poland with her entire family. Uh, he had come because he was an adventuresome person. My father said he wanted to own businesses and I guess he wanted the lure of the North American uh, dream. Um, And things were not so great in Poland either, uh, even when he left. His father had died in 1928 and the uh, business was left in his older sister Dvorah's safekeeping. So one of the reasons he went back uh, was, of course, uh, to um, take a look at the jute mills and so on and the businesses and and see his sister. And uh, they had heard, I guess, rumors of what was happening in Europe. And I guess they just wanted to protect their investments. Uh, They didn't realize, I guess, how horrid it was. I'll read you a little bit. Robust and full of hope and unaware of the fragility of his fate, he charged into yet untold horrors of what was happening in Europe. Harry Cohen left Montreal and arrived in New York City to board a Polish ship. The ship left the New York Harbor on June the 9th, 1939. Once in his stateroom, he settled down and rested from the turmoil of the events in Montreal, the sadness of his wife's death, The loneliness of not having his children with him. The ship had not yet even sailed when there was an intrusion. An unknown man had opened the door and entered with not so much as a knock. And um, totally unannounced. The person had the audacity to inquire as to why his father um, wasn't Israel. In his room, to which his father replied that it was not this person's room, but indeed his. They decided to go to the ship's purser to straighten out the assignment of rooms. The purser consulted the passenger list and immediately realized what had gone wrong. Both men had the very same name, Harry Cohen. Yes, to Harry Cohen. Since there were two people of the same name, it was assumed that someone had made an error by writing down the name twice. And so they had crossed off one of the Harry Cohens from the list of passengers. Harry Cohen, my father's father, my Zadie, would have a chance to change his fate. The two men were given their options. One of them could be refunded the money, already paid for the passage, and then rebook another passage. Harry Cohen, my Zadie, was in the room first. But the second Harry Cohen had all kinds of important business appointments already set set up in Poland and was determined to make the voyage on that ship on that day. The purser offered to accommodate both by placing another bed in the room and have them share the room. The Harry Cohens looked at each other, two determined men, two Polish Jews, landsmen, if you will, if only by circumstance and fate, They agreed to share their quarters, so off they sailed over the Atlantic Ocean into the Baltic Sea to a port of Poland then known as Danzig Free State. Once in Poland, they were to meet yet again, if only briefly. Harry Cohen, the stranger no more, warned my Zaidi. The political climate in Poland, for that matter, all of Europe had worsened. Germany was preparing to invade Poland and rid them of all the Jews. The Harry Cohen that survived, left soon after that encounter, but the Harry Cohen, the one that may have planned on leaving a few days later, never made it. That was my Sadie, the only known Canadian Jewish citizen to have died in the Holocaust.
2: That was beautiful. I'm crying already, and I I didn't even expect that I would. So he lands in Poland, in Danzig. And then where what happens, of course, is in September, Poland gets invaded. Why did he stay for the whole summer? Who was there for him? Just his, his sister and his nieces and nephews, right?
1: Well, at, at that point, he, he really couldn't get out. Um, he had no way of getting out. And the only information we have after that point, it w- it was weeks and months and years with no word from his father at all. Um And the only thing he heard was in September of 1945, three months after the war had ended, that the the family received um, a letter and a package from a Polish farm woman. Um, She wrote about the horror of what she thought had happened to him um, after nearly six years. Um, She and her husband had kept my Zadie, Harry Cohen, in the cellar for a period of time. Uh, He had spent days, weeks and months in a four foot high, dark, damp cellar. And the earth floor was his bed. Um, The Gestapo eventually found out. uh, I wrote it that way, that they found out. But my father told me he has a strong suspicion that they were called out by um, neighbors, that uh, they were hiding a Jew. And basically, my Zadie and her husband were taken away and never to be seen again. So in the package, she mailed the package back. They were were the precious belongings of my Zadie. They were his Sidur, which I have, his Talit, the prayer shawl that you saw in the Montreal Holocaust Museum and $600 of American traveler's checks in his name. Um, That's how she knew where to send it. My father uh, was about 16 years old at that time. What he did with the money was to, he took a hundred of those dollars and purchased um, uh, canned goods and food and so on, packaged it up, mailed it to her, and asked her to write him back to say what, Did she receive? Because in those days, and my father knew that uh, they didn't necessarily receive it. And if he would have given her money, it would have been taken away. So she wrote back saying that she had received all of the the goods. So he sent her another hundred and another hundred worth of food uh, until all the 600 was spent uh, sending to her uh, and gave her the food. I don't know her name. My father. Didn't know her name. Couldn't recall.
2: Because I was going to ask you, I mean, how did you not get these guys to be righteous among the nations at Yad Vashem? It must be so frustrating that you wanted to do I that. know.
1: I know. Exactly. Uh, it, it is frustrating. Um and the prayer shawl, uh, my father ended up uh, donating it to, to the Holocaust Museum, and and rightly so. People should know its story.
2: Did he ever? anyone in your family ever wear it for any special occasions?
1: No. Absolutely not. We knew that it was in that drawer. We knew for some reason that... We didn't ask questions about it. We didn't talk about it. It wasn't something my father wanted to talk about. But I have to tell you the finishing story of the two Harrys. Yes, please. It will give you chills. What happens is... My father at 16, when he's in business later on in his life, he went to the Cooper building because Mr. Cooperman, uh, he was in the Shmata business, steam iron company was his business. So he asked to speak to the foreman. He speaks to this man. He gives him a little card with Manny Cohen. And he says, oh, ma, I'm a Cohen also. Finally, he finds out that that is Harry Cohen, the very Harry Cohen that had shared the room with my Zadie. And they ended up, that was his best com- customer and friend for the rest of my father's life.
2: And what is the reaction when school children and especially non-Jewish, but who sees the Talit? what kind of reaction do they get when you tell them, or I guess when Anne goes there and tells them this story?
1: The first time I went through the uh, there was a lot of training when you're a guide at at the museum, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, And um, the first time that I went through with a group, I could hardly breathe when I saw it. Um, Not that I hadn't seen it before, but I hadn't seen in the sense that I was now going to talk about it. And I. It took me a while to kind of, and I I had the kids go into a li- the little video room that's there and watch the video, not because I ever did that before, but because I needed to catch my breath. I needed to figure out how was I going to do this? How was I going to tell, first of all, so little about this when there was so much to be told about it? Uh, and how was I going to do that? Um, and um, the way I did it is, when there was a connection with me and the group that was there when i saw they were truly interested i said you're such a good group i'm going to introduce you to my grandfather the grandfather i never knew so i kind of started it that way and then i i go to the Talit and tell them the story like and they were so interested wow that's your grandfather and you know but i do tell the story of how individuals. For me, the important thing to tell uh, children um, and teenagers is that you can make a difference. You can make a difference in this world just all by yourself. So for me, that was the story uh, of the Talit.
0: And if I could just add too, I think with all of the, the objects and the people behind them, I mean, that's how you humanize this history. Six million is such a huge number. It's really difficult to imagine what each person's story was like. So when people can go through the, the exhibit and, and learn personal stories and when they have Anne there, it just makes it so much easier to connect with this history that might not be so personal or, or close to them. It, it brings it to another level.
2: And I think when people actually hear this, they always think it's like, okay, it was Jews from over there. When you say that he was Canadian, what what impact does that have on people?
1: You know, his story is very uh, centered in Montreal and all of the different places that kids know about. You know, the Fairmount Bagel was where my uh, great Zadie took my father by horse and buggy and... Uh, the, the building that was there, the candy store that used to be there before, the laneways that he went through. And so this would have been the life that he had experienced uh, in Montreal, uh, you know, in that uh, very area of Montreal that was so filled with Jewish immigrants I think that no wonder that
2: you were a great teacher because you're amazing. <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up. I want to wish you congratulations on, on your uh, your second career, I guess, as an author. You should publish it. You should publish it. If wow. you know, the Azraeli group is around or anybody that's publishers listening to the show, get in touch with Anne uh, through me because it sounds like this story needs to be in a book or a movie.
1: A movie, I think so, with Matt Damon playing my father. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a serious note thank you so much for sharing your story and uh, I look forward to having lots of people visit it in the new place us too you can see what the talit looks like and learn more about Harry Cohen's story we put all the links to the articles in our show notes and that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily sponsored by Metropia integrity, community, quality and customer care And we'll end the episode with a little bit of what it sounded like Monday night at Montreal's Community Yom HaShoah commemoration. The grade 6 students from the Jewish people in Parrot Schools sang a Yiddish lullaby entitled Under the Yellow Patch. Thanks to Lois Lee for the audio and thank you for listening to the CJN Daily.